Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer Podcast. I'm Bruce Singer, host of this podcast, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Canada CFOs, which provides uh, part-time CFOs, interim CFOs, fractional CFOs to companies and organizations. And we're very passionate about health and wellness and foods and, and the whole the whole world. So I'm very excited today to have a, a really awesome, incredible guest. You're going to learn a lot, <laughs> I guarantee you today, um, from personal experience. Uh, Jennifer Gertz. I'm going to tell you about Jennifer. Jennifer is the Executive Director of Food Allergy Canada. She was a cross-country coach, and now she is a, an avid an avid road cyclist, and she is very, very, very passionate about health and wellness and people in, and in Canada. And we have a lot. We have a lot of stuff. There's going to be some great content. That's the idea. Great content today. Thank you, Jennifer, for being my guest on this podcast. Well, thank you, Bruce. It's uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, really appreciate what you're doing in this space. Thank you so much. So, first, we're going to start. We always start the podcast by saying, "Okay, Jennifer, tell us your origin," because there has to, usually there's a story that comes with this to eventually get to where you are today. As you know, <laughs> you get. Share, share. We would love to hear your beginnings and please share your story. Oh, thank you. Well, my cross-country coaching actually relates to how I got to where I am today. So I will link that in. So thank you. here's here's my background. I am um, uh, worked in the corporate world mm-hmm. uh, and in the consulting world and so had a professional um, orientation and, uh, and and then family came along. And I ended up having twin boys that changed my professional uh, orientation in a significant way in that I discovered at the age of three that they had multiple severe food allergies. So how does that relate to cross-country running? Well, how that relates to cross-country running is that part of my interest in health and wellness was making sure that kids are active. And so I became the cross-country coach for uh, my kids' elementary school and managed that program through to grade uh, the end of grade six. Um, and when they were moving on, I was there for a couple more years. But there was someone who said to me, Jennifer, I think you need to be aware of this organization called Food Allergy Canada, because I was kind of stepping back some of my responsibilities. And so I wanted to take that passion filled time and put it against something else. And she goes, I think this is a really interesting opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't aware very much of the organization. So I started to do a little bit of work around what this organization did and how it was supporting my family and learned that they were a national patient organization that educates, supports, and advocates for people with food allergies. So automatically it had my interest. So fast forward, and I uh, I joined the organization as the executive director in 2018 and have been there ever since. Um, the And with my son's uh, food allergies, if I had known uh, or if if the information that we know today, we had known when they were babies, things might have looked different. It's It's been quite an interesting journey into understanding how the knowledge and the scientific expertise has changed over the past 20 years. So it's been a very interesting journey. I'm passionate about making it better for Canadians with food allergy for both individuals and their families. 
So you talked about the last 10 to 20 years. How has the how has the, how has it changed in 10, 20 years, the, the, the food allergies in Canada? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question because it's changed a lot. Like not a lot was understood in the very early days about um, uh, amphylaxis, about kind of the amount of allergen that might trigger a, 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 an allergic reaction. And so, you know, actually, I should set a little bit of context here. When I'm talking about food allergy, the context in which I'm speaking from is an immune system mediated reaction, an IgE mediated reaction that has the risk of anaphylaxis. And anaphylaxis is the most severe allergic reaction that can be life-threatening. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a prevalent issue, but it can be life-threatening, but it requires treatment with epinephrine. Okay. And so what we didn't know 10 or 20 years ago is the diagnostic approach that was used within by allergists was called panel testing. So for those of you who've been to an allergist and you get a scratch test um, with food allergy, they would, they would test a whole pile of food. So let's say you reacted to something, that's what brought you to the allergist. And then they were testing for a bunch of other foods that, that you may have not reacted to or have no evidence of reacting to. And so when you think about young children, if they have that diagnosis early in life and they are panel tested, sometimes you can get what's called a false positive. Okay. And so now today, the diagnosis is very much focused on what's your clinical history when you, what happens when you eat it, not we're trying to figure out whether the test can tell you whether you might be allergic to it if you haven't eaten it. And so, you you know, that has changed quite dramatically. So the diagnosis in terms of how they go about diagnosing it is different. The other thing that's changed is they've learned some things around preventing food allergy. So babies that are have a lot of eczema are at higher risk for the development of food allergy. And they've learned that by not in all all infants, but in in many infants, if you introduce an allergen between, you know, anywhere between four to six months of age, that they won't develop that allergy, that the immune system uh, learns to tolerate. Really? Really? And so you kind of go like, that's a serious wow. Whereas when my kids were little, what happened is they were told to avoid the direction was that's avoid what, yeah. allergens, avoid, right? Avoid, Until yeah. they're three, right? And then that yeah. immune system is fully developed. And when in fact, that was the exact opposite thing to do, right? So it's that's a huge shift, a huge, huge shift. And then I would say the other thing that is, you know, there are some emergence of therapies. Uh, it's now, right, it's called oral immunotherapy is what's, available in very limited um, uh, ways, but it's about raising the dose that people react to, okay? And so that people feel protected. If I was exposed to something in an unintentional way, I may not have a severe of reaction if my, what we call threshold level is higher, okay? So we we've learned so much more about Different dose amounts affect different people, right? Someone might not react to a full peanut, whereas someone might react to a small amount of of, of a peanut. So there's things that are really changing in our understanding. It's not about 
trace. Everybody will react anaphylactically to a trace amount. That's not the case. So it's, yeah, it's been really kind of a fascinating evolution of the science. Can I, I have a quick question to ask? Because you brought up some stuff. Is allergy shots, because I was, I, I was taking allergy shots just even recently, because I have, I've got some bad ones. <laughs> I've got a lot. Right. Of, <laughs> right. For pollen allergies. Yeah. Is that, for, is that the most yeah. common, like go to the doctor once a week or whatever it was, and they give me a shot. And over time, um, I'll build the theory is, I guess you build, you build tolerance. Is that, is that kind of the theory? You build tolerance. There, yes. I mean, that is the theory and, and it's mostly, that's a very applicable in venom. Like if someone has a venom allergy, they should be speaking to their allergist about, um, about therapy on that, because you can imagine that that one's a, a bit challenging for people to, to navigate. Like if yeah. you're going to get stung by something, you're yeah. not planning on it. It's not like you can control it. So, and there's good evidence that the venom allergy shots are effective. That's not the mechanism within food. Okay. It is more environmental allergies with allergy shots, but it is the same, mm. you know, what? it's the same premise. Okay. It's still immunotherapy. And so they're taking that same premise and they're applying it to food and they're trying to figure out ways that um because you know that that it, it does more than just raise your tolerance right like ideally where we want to be is we want to be able to eat foods like we don't want to have to continue to avoid them but yeah. be assured that okay well i'm not going to have a serious reaction like that's ultimately where we want to get to and, and we're nowhere close to that interesting also it's quality of life you know uh oh, yeah because of it if you keep eating so every time you eat, every time you're going to start sneezing or start coughing or you know right. and then, you, then you just then you just throw in the towel well there's everything <laughs> right right and all these other interesting very interesting yeah and there's and there's graded levels of fear on that too right because one of it is is i don't want to have amphylaxis that's the big fear and if you it yeah. can reassure people well that by doing this that's not an outcome that's likely that is a huge liberator in quality of life. Right. Really? And then it is kind of like, you know, like getting to those things where, as you say, you don't want to be having symptoms. So we want to be symptom free ultimately. Correct. Correct. Interesting. So that's very insightful. Thank you. So let's talk about the food allergy landscape in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So the food allergy landscape in Canada is um, again, talking about the, immune mediated IgE mediated food allergy because we're not dealing with into a uh, food intolerance which is more digestive related so think lactose intolerant where you're missing an enzyme so in the food allergy uh, IgE mediated um, uh, area there's three million Canadians and about six hundred thousand uh, children okay and there's you know remarkably everybody thinks peanut but Frankly, there's 170 foods that a person can be allergic to. So um, it's it, it's what we think about is peanut is is obviously a very dominant one and it has its allergenicity is high and it can have um, big reactions. But milk is also a very big um, a problem in, in the food allergic world. And so, you know, it's really important that like if Health Canada has priority allergens that it's designated for enhanced labeling and clarity of labeling, which is very good. And those priority allergens represent 
the majority of, of allergies and in, in, in both prevalence and, and also in terms of severity of potential reactions. So, but it's not to say that even though strawberry, for example, is not a priority allergen, people can be allergic to it. So I think it's important for the community to understand that. And when I say the community, I mean, those who we rely on, who are, are helping us find safe food options. If someone says, I've got an allergy to this, then, you know, we need to appreciate that and help them avoid what they're allergic to. Here's a question. Is it possible to de-allergize them? <laughs> like, if they have an allergy, can you do something to, is, is it is it cranking up the immune system? Is that the, or? You know, in, in or, the or, area or, or, of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that like so in this, you know, systemic immune mediated reactions, that's not what we're what what the therapies are starting to change is the dose that you react to. It doesn't cure it. It doesn't take it away. Okay. So it's not like, and you know, I don't speak for the area, like I don't have an expertise in kind of the naturopathic approach and that sort of stuff around kind of reducing the immune or the inflammation in the system and what that might do. Yeah, yeah. I'm dealing with, okay, this is a systemic reaction where the body says, gee, I recognize that protein that I've just ingested as being dangerous to me. I'm going to trigger a systemic reaction as if it were kind of poisonous. Okay. And so it's like, it sends off the system to go, okay, the skin starts to react. You might have hives. You you might have some respiratory or some breathing issues. You might have gastrointestinal or heart rate, uh, cardiovascular issues. But it is an immune systemic reaction. So, and the therapies are not are just at this stage are not changing that observation of of that protein. What it's doing is it's saying I'm not going to react to that at a higher dose level. Right. So it's uh, it, it it's different than uh, there, uh, having said that there are cofactors that can make a reaction more severe. So if you have uncontrolled asthma, you've already got a compromised respiratory system. Yeah. And yeah. so if you ingest something that you have a you know diagnosed food allergy to, that could make it more problematic because you've already got a pre-existing cofactor that makes it more challenging for that reaction. Interesting. Very good. So in terms of the, so let's talk about Food Allergy Canada. Yeah. Let's yes. What, in terms of your, your mission, I guess your current initiatives, what, how does Food Allergy Canada, what is Food Allergy Canada doing to, I guess, make a difference and, and in terms of the the initiatives of Food Allergy Canada. Okay, well, so again, our mission is to help Canadians live confidently, safely and confidently with food yeah. allergy. Yeah. We do that in, in three kind of focus areas. One is we um, support individuals and families with education and support. So, mm -hmm. you know, you might have trouble getting to see your allergist or you want to know what the experts in the scientific community are saying about this condition. We help make that link and we provide um, support programs for, for communities. The second thing we do is we work on building informed and supportive communities. Okay. And so we've got a school program that helps to bring together, um, you know, normalizing food allergy, helping uh, young kids understand that this is not a choice. This is just kind of the, the, the way things are and, and that it builds inclusion. 
Um, and we are also doing a really significant uh, bit of work with food manufacturers. And so on that building informed and supportive communities, we rely on food manufacturers to label things in a way that allows us to make safe food choices. So one of the things that we just recently launched in uh, November was um, uh, with a collaboration that was done with uh, Laval University uh, and about 12 food manufacturers and ourselves and allergists. And we co- we uh, project managed and launched allergen management control practices so that food manufacturers had a single source of information to go to to understand how do I put an allergen control plan in place? Now, many of the manufacturers mm-hmm. that are doing that right now. And so the unique thing about this was, is we we bought, brought those 12 uh, manufacturers together because they've got really great best practices. And through that, we created a consensus guideline and uh, and resources to help other manufacturers do that. And importantly in that was also, um, I don't know if you've, if how many food packages you've looked at and you see that may contain this product. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. May contain yes. hazelnuts, peanuts. Yeah. Like the yes. may contain. And yes. right, if I have a severe food allergy, if I would have, if I would have a severe peanut allergy and I see may contain, I ain't buying it. Yes. And so yeah. what's and happened is that. A lot. Yeah. Yes. And it's, and right now it's, it's not regulated. It's guidance. And so what you have happened, have happened with this in this idea to try and better communicate risk to consumers What's happened is it's become sort of, it's almost become a default position for some manufacturers, right? And so instead, what these guidelines are about is, here's how, you know, these are the best practices on how you control allergens in your facilities. And this is how you take a risk-based approach to applying precautionary allergen labeling so that it, you know, it, it helps you take a risk assessment to go, is there a hazard to the consumer here? Is this necessary to have this precautionary allergen label on there? Because we want it to be meaningful. And what we've heard from consumers yeah. is they go, I see it everywhere. And some people are going, well, I'm just not going to pay attention to it because I want some food choice. Find a slice of bread that doesn't have sesame in it or may contain sesame, right? So so we knew that this needed to be tackled because in many, in some instances that may contain is absolutely necessary. In other instances, you know, the research would suggest that it's not. So we're really optimistic that this could be hugely meaningful to our community in, you know, yeah. making sure allergen control plans are in place because there's a bunch of CFIA recalls that happen on, on allergen related labeling issues and also kind of clear up this confusion around may contain. It's so important, especially in the food industry, there's a lot of co-packing, co-manufacturing, yes. co-packing. And you yes. subcontract your manufacturing. Yes. How do you, I mean, you're the, it's, it's, it's an industry in itself, co-packing, right. co-manufacturing. Yes, and it's and like we need a, you know, Bruce, yeah. we need it like a systemic change throughout the industry. It's not an, it's, exactly. this is where, you know, the, the the whole supply chain needs to sort of adopt kind of agreements in terms of how they share information Correct. and what information Correct. is required. Correct. So, Correct. you know, we're, we are a part of making that change because we led this effort along with Maple Leaf Foods um, and brought right. these uh, manufacturers together and worked really collaboratively with Laval. We're very, we're very optimistic that this is going to have great outcomes for um, manufacturers and people with food allergy so it's pretty exciting 
So yeah. in terms of the consumer, how we see the change, is it going to, is it, is it going to appear in packaging? Is it going to be labeled? Like, like how well, we, so the, is, that, is that one of the main, is that one, that's the big priority of, of the, of the food allergy Canada right now is this. Well, food. that's one of the big priorities, yeah. right? Because we like, you know, people have to navigate safe food choices. They're yeah. trying to avoid what they're allergic to. Whether you have a food allergy or food intolerance, you kind of want to know what's in your food. Right. And you want to and if things bother you, you want to be able to have that access to that information. So it goes really beyond just folks with food allergy. So how we will see this come forward is we are in the process of trying to, um, you know, make food manufacturers aware of this and speak with Health Canada and the Canadian Food Inspection Agency Mm -hmm. on how this type of guidance might become more formally supported so that it has a pathway uh, to get greater adoption. This is fantastic. By the way, I just want to comment on on foods ingredients when I read labels. If I if yeah. I don't read, if I can't pronounce it or read it, I'm going to assume it might not be the best for you. But then you got other issues like food security and food hunger. I mean, there's a whole bunch yeah. of it, it, it's a whole. It's, it's yes, yeah, and you know what? And it's it's why we together. need the. We, Yes, we all need the ecosystem to all be kind of taking a role and responsibility. And so, you know, that's where I feel like on the food allergy space, you know, Food Allergy Canada is part of that ecosystem and we're doing doing our part to make things better. Jennifer, this has been a wonderful podcast. Very insightful. We could talk for hours on this stuff. We could. We could. <laughs> We're talking about food allergies. What about the other allergies like dogs and cats? That's a whole other Exactly. So we could talk for hours. And this has been, I'm a fan and what you're doing. And thank you so much as somebody who suffers from lots of food allergies. Um, well, thank, thank you, Bruce. Thank you for making a difference. And uh, it was great having you on the podcast. And thank you, everybody, thank you. for listening. And uh, if you want more information, what, what should people do, Jennifer, when they want to? Foodallergycanada.ca is our yeah. website. So take a look there. Um, and there's lots of information. Sign yeah. up for our newsletters. We've got lots of great uh, webinar content for folks. And we want to hear from you. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Happy podcasting. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.